Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Mike Plus Star Wars. I'm your host, Lee. I am here. I am joined by Spencer. Spencer, say hey to the people. Hey, everybody. Spencer, we're on episode four of the Obi-Wan Kenobi series on Disney+. Plus. Last week, famously among our listeners, we started antagonistically. Uh, I asked you how you felt. You said you didn't like it. I questioned your Star Wars fandom. You said you can't do that. I said, yes, I can. We had a rough start. Let's mm-hmm. try to land the plane or start the plane and get it off the ground a little smoother this this week. Spencer, the world wants to know, as do I, what did you think of episode four? It's a mixed bag just because it's such a... It's such oh, a you're delight. no Star Wars fan. No, I'm just kidding. I expect this. I look forward to it. It's such a Star Wars tropey episode of where I feel like every Star Wars show has to do a prison break. It's required. It's sure. built around... Mandalorian did, what, two at this point? Both of them starring Bill Burr? Three. Three, really, Three, because yeah. um, Baby Yoda, uh, in the episode The Sin, from, from he the drops him off, and then the rescue, he goes and gets him with the Mandalorian crews, unknowingly. So, yeah, it's, it's probably like three prison breaks in that thing. And, and this one's literally involving Obi-Wan Kenobi again, so that's harkening back to episode four in terms of the, the movies right there. And it even had some similar beats of him making noise down quarters to distract stormtroopers. Right. So, it, it's a delightful nostalgia run in that, in that, in that way. It didn't. It isn't focusing as much on the overarching stuff I expected and hoped in terms of the Obi Wan and um, Anakin relationship. They keep teasing it, but then they don't go into it to focus more on Reva, which I don't find is interesting. Um, like this episode opened with the, the parallels between the two of them are back in their back to text. And I was like, oh god, we're gonna get like flashbacks where you know uh, Christensen's gonna be back and they're gonna interact with each other. It's like, no, we're gonna focus more on Reva and the present and Leia. And it's like, eh, all right. Also, is the finale going to be like five minutes long with how quick these episodes are getting in terms of reducing their length? I mean, first episode of the series is like an hour long. This one, was it 30 minutes even? Yeah, it was about 30. I think the finale is going to be a lot longer um, from what I've read. So I it's going to shock a lot of people, upset of the century. I am going to agree with some parts of your, your statement in, in your review and that, yeah, it did... It, it, it was it was a more forgettable episode for me than others because it was action packed because it was a jailbreak episode. Um, I though, ha- however, I I think that the focusing on Obi Wan and Anakin, right? Like they don't want to show too much of Vader because they've made him the horror. They've made him Michael Myers, and they want they to make it powerful when he's on screen. And I, as chronicled last week on this podcast, I love that. I think it's perfect. I think they're very careful about too many flashbacks with the Anakin Obi-Wan relationship because I don't think they want to get accused of trying to retell the story that George Lucas told in episode one, two, three. They don't want to go back, change canon, change dynamics. I think they're very careful with that because they, you know, they want to show some reverence to the story that was told by the great creator of the damn everything, the universe. And so I get that. So they don't want to do too many flashbacks. I do think we're going to get more anakin vader in episode five and six i do want to put a hand up to you and our audience and admit when i am wrong as i have talked about many times on this podcast i don't like to do a lot of research before we record because i want to not just parrot what i read from other people about the episode i had read a tweet that james earl jones was back for this james earl jones is not back for this this is a composite voice that they have done through the fancy computer and artificial intelligence and blah, blah 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 stuff i don't understand to recreate the voice. So James Earl gotcha. Jones did not even read these lines. Um, and a matter of fact, they did the same thing with Luke's voices in Book of Boba Fett. Uh, mm. It was not Mark Hamill. Mark Hamill was on set 
doing the walkthrough and stuff for the character, he, but he, he was didn't an advisor, record the voice because his voice has got, he's 70. His voice has gotten very different than what it's it was changed. when he was like he, 31. So uh, there you go. That That's the, that's the deal with the, what? the Vader voice, but I think we're going to get more Anakin and Vader as we move forward. But again, I, I, I must agree with you for me. This was the most forgettable of the episodes so far. I, I, I would very much agree with that in part for the exact reason you said, this was very much an action focused episode. 90% of it was action with mostly just moving pieces in between. And I think it's fair to say that this show does not ultimately do action, I think, as well as Book of Boba Fett or particularly The Mandalorian did. It doesn't seem to be their bailiwick quite to the same degree. And so with this being such an action-focused episode, we don't we don't get as much. It makes it, it, makes it like they're, we're transitioning between what are ultimately going to be more interesting plot points, which they do better than the action in between. I thought the action was better this episode, but we'll get to that as we go through the recap. That feeds us to our agenda here today we start with the recap which i will lead heroically every week i read the lead the recap here on mangum talk star wars then we will go to best line of the episode i will award best line of the episode then we will go to nostalgic moment of the episode spencer always has great inputs for the parts of the episode that were the most nostalgic to him i think he even touched on maybe you previewed a little what you might go into in that segment mm-hmm. and uh then we like to end with is this episode kind of on par with the prequels right that's a that's a pretty good comparison point for the way they're telling this story the characters involved where it is in the star wars timeline so we kind of compare the episode to the quality of the prequels spencer and i go to go at that from completely different angles i love the prequels um, some of the best movies in any fantasy genre I've ever seen. Spencer puts them very, very low on the list, like even below some of the sequel movies, which he famously hated. So uh, very different perspective there when we go into that segment. Spencer, anything you want to discuss before we jump into our recap of Obi-Wan Episode 4? Get going, man. Woo! We get the recap at the start of the episode. Really focuses on the events of episode three, which told me as I'm watching this, okay, we're going to get some resolution to the Leia captured situation because they wanted to feed you up until that moment. Uh, Intro music starts with Obi-Wan opening his eyes. We see his burn. Uh, Our guys heard it. Tala is standing over him. Mm -hmm. Already, 15 seconds into this thing, we're starting to get some Obi-Wan Tala vibes, right? Definitely, she was she was looking at him more than with more with more than just concern. She seemed to be eyeing him up to a certain degree. And I mean, my God, who wouldn't? Is Ewan McGregor? Um, <laughs> Valid point. Hear Tala say to Obi Wan, or say about Obi Wan, put him in the back to tank. That's right, the Star Wars cure all back to tank. Third degree burns. Mm-hmm. Pff, Twenty minutes of back to tank, you're good. Um, yep. Then we see Obi-Wan in the tank and all his burns. Not awful, but definitely some third-degree burns there on his shoulder and backside. More than cosmetic, yeah. This is something that's going to linger with him. Uh, well, maybe not. I mean, if it depends on how the... Or he back, the back yeah. Tank, right? yeah. Uh, in the tank, he's he's clearly dreaming. He's dreaming about Vader slash Anakin. Uh, he does jump out at one point, but before that happens, a very interesting line happens in the flashback, and he is flashing back to the events of the last episode, so the battle he had with Vader and he gets this this quote is going rattling around in his head you should have killed me when you had the chance spencer did they call that specific line out because a part of obi-wan is wondering that himself like fuck like look at all the harm this guy's doing all the jedi he's killing look what he just did to me i really should have killed him on those before i kind of fucked that up no i'm exactly i'm right there with you i mean we already saw him dealing with the guilt that he feels that he couldn't do more to prevent the collapse of the order and effectively him exiling himself on tatooine is part of his penance for that 
I think in some ways he'd just been able to accept that or deal with that in part because he thought Anakin was gone and he could just process his individual guilt with respect to that rather than a broader harm. Now that he realized that Anakin is leading this horrible thing that's inflicting pain on his yeah. order, his people, and the galaxy, oh dear God, is that doubling down on what guilt he probably already had. Yeah, I think he really is thinking, man, I, ha- I mean, I had him. Like, he, he, he thought he was dead. All it would have taken is one more whip of that, that lightsaber and it would have been over. He probably is feeling a little guilt that he didn't follow through on that. Uh, once it got to that point, right? Uh, mm-hmm. He didn't jump out of the back to tank. Tala explains, hey, 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 settle down, partner. Settle down. You're on your beam. You're good. You're safe. Everything is fine. Where's Leia? That's what he wants to know. First thing out of his mouth. Why? Because our guy, Obi-Wan, is selfless. That's right, Spencer. I'm hoping at some point we'll get to spend a little bit more time on Jabim because they made it so matter-of-fact that, oh yeah, that secret planet that we bring all the Jedi to is part of this, you know, the path, this the path. intergalactic network move people around. Yeah, you're there. So let's leave. It's like, what? We've never heard of this world before. It's a big deal, apparently. We've never heard of the path before. You're just going to yada yada the process of getting there, being there, and then going away from there? Uh, I mean, I'm guessing we're going to spend more time on their next episode because... We're going to get to see it destroyed, but still, I was a little bit surprised they just kind of so accelerated the process of getting there, being there, and leaving there. Yeah, and as all of us know, um, you, Spencer, very big, strict Southern Baptists uh, have been always. So you probably course, don't yeah, know this, that. but there's a lot of parallels to the Force and the way this universe works in Buddhism, I've always felt like, and calling it the path. <laughs> For me, I don't know like how much you really know about Buddhism. How much actually? There, like the path is a phrase, like a very very like dominant phrase in Buddhism. It, it just like it's a little on the nose. Like, okay. For the Buddhism parallels, like you should, I, I, I if somebody is like versed in just the basics of Buddhism, they would be like, eh, like really, like that. This would be like, um, <laughs> this would be like, you know what? In order to be a Jedi, we have this one guy in the Jedi Council, Peter. And he is going to say yes or no if you could be a Jedi. This, you know, it's like that on the nose where you're like, wait a second, that's too close. Like, so, wish they didn't call it the path, but I mean, I know what they're trying to do. They're trying to sure. say, like, the Jedi are a Buddhistic type order. It's about elevating your own consciousness through your own work, your own mental uh, mm-hmm. spinning your wheels. It's not about some god coming down and boom, turning on the light. You do it yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they, they draw that parallel there. Just wish they didn't call it the path. Well, and the, as the parallels have always been there. The, the, the description yeah. of the Force, the description of the Jedi, has always been heavily steeped in Eastern religion, the Eastern mysticism. Yeah. It's been part of the homage that they were. As you said, you'd like it to be just an homage rather than literal direct reference. I think they probably thought most people watching this wouldn't catch it, and that's probably true. We cut to Leia giving some Stormtrooper the goddamn business. Woo! <laughs> as she does. I am a princess of Alderaan. And you uh-huh. will listen to me. My father. Man, I love this little girl so much. Man, she is awesome. Um, she, re- she like they they. I don't know how they got a, a small actress to have so much confidence talking to grown or, men, or or be so Leia like. I mean, she. This girl has taken notes or been well trained on. This is how Leia acts. Try to do that, and she just represents. I am a princess of Alderaan. Woo! I, I gotta ask. Do you think that? We know she's eventually going to become a senator and a very public figure without any degree of baggage or assumption necessarily cast on her in that regard. Yep. Do you think the record of her being in a friggin' fortress inquisitorious and under interrogation is going to be suppressed, deleted, removed, or something to make that happen? Because I have to imagine there's some kind of background check that goes into being a senator. <laughs> 
if I remember correctly, this is covered in the new canon book, Bloodline. It's have, about have Leia. Yeah, because uh, yeah, another yeah. book I sent you and you didn't read. I think I think I sent you this one because it's uh, it's about Leia. You should read it because what. So if you don't want to know about the Bloodline book or at least the basic beats of it, skip ahead 15 seconds. Um, in essence, what happens is this is about Leia ruling in the New Republic after the events of Return of the Jedi and the people mm -hmm. of the New Republic slowly figuring out that she is the daughter of Darth Vader and that coming out and the gotcha. fall, political fallout from that. Um, and they kind of cover the cover-up that had to happen to get her in the public eye to begin with. I wonder if they're going to draw those parallels um, if they do like a season two of Obi-Wan or something from what was discussed in that book. But keeping in canon, right, um, there had to be some sort of story about where she came from mm -hmm. because the reveal of her as Darth Vader's daughter does not occur anywhere near this this period in time. Helped by the fact the two of them don't meet right here. Yeah. Uh, in comes Reva. Leia, he will come for me. This is what she tells Reva right away, uh, which I liked. Um, you know, it's increasingly what they're selling to us is that Leia and, and, and Obi-Wan have a bond. They are mm -hmm. they are tight. It probably comes from this like fatherly love that Obi-Wan immediately bestows upon her sight unseen because of his relationship to her father. That's probably where it comes from. My struggle with this, and I, you know me, I'm trying to give them the benefit of the doubt. I know. I, if I, know. I possibly can fit that circle in that square peg, I'm going to jam it in. My trouble with this is that the line we get from Princess Leia in episode four, which you've called out multiple times on this podcast, makes it seem like they don't have a shared history. And the more that they make them like close, like this is my long lost uncle. I love him. I'm holding his hand at the end of the, I mean, like, they have got to make they've got to make it clear i think at this point at the end of this series that in leia's 10 year old mind ben kenobi is not obi-wan kenobi doesn't she or ben like is not obi-wan because we don't even know she knows his last name ben is not obi-wan kenobi i i'm not sure how they're going to pull this off either he either they do something like that which i'm not going to find perfectly convincing or they delete her memory in some shape or form like he uses the force to delete this aspect of what of the, of the last Little few men in black to pull the pin out Tingy? We haven't. The force can affect people's minds in a lot of varied ways. Deleting memories is is part of that process. That's occurred in Star Wars medium before. It could happen, because right now they're running up against her very "you knew my dad, therefore I'm calling you" kind of line. And when Obi Wan dies, she expresses almost no emotion about that, and mostly None. just comforts Luke, who's breaking down. Yeah, Luke's the only one who cares. But, um, it's, uh, it, I mean, I I recognize that they're having to tell a story that wasn't originally planned by George, George Lucas, and that's okay to me. That's fine, but um, you know, like we we're gonna need some continuity there because right. you can't break the canon of four, five, and six. I think that's the only thing you certainly can't break. Um, and, I, and I think they're playing fast and loose. I think they're trying to push it as much as possible to do their own thing. We're going to see how much they're able to stick the landing about whether it perfectly squares or just going to have to accept that the past is gray when it comes to establishing these kind of canon events. I could see her thinking Ben is not necessarily like Ben is just some guy. Like maybe he fakes his death at the end of this, and so Leia does actually think Ben dies, and that would make that would actually be another way to get themselves out of it, and would get out of. Why isn't Darth Vader continuing to chase Obi-Wan for the next 10 years? If, if, if Obi-Wan fakes his death at the end of this series, that would be a good way to do it. 
Maybe. Uh, but if he does fake his death at the end of the series, I would like to know why you and McGregor goes to the Star Wars conference and starts telling everybody we're going to do it, Episode Seven, Eight, Nine, Ten. Like you know, he's like LeBron <laughs> and Dwayne Wade doing the and the, the, the fifth and the sixth and the mm-hmm, seventh. Mm-hmm. Um, cut to uh, Reva. Reva tells Obi or tells Leia that Obi Wan is dead. Look, the girl's ten years old, and you're acting her. You, you're at, you're telling her to act dramatically. It's it's not going to be great. I thought it was as good as a 10-year-old could do because what she did is she looked affected but also looked like she was trying to hold it together. I got both of those things from what she did. Yeah, I thought she did it well. I was kind of afraid. I've been continually afraid with this child. You hate child actors. Child actors work with me. Child actors are usually a letdown when it comes to a lot of medium. There are a lot of child actors that do not Raise the bar compared to the people that are working around. Well, they don't let know. me down because I usually don't expect much, but I know what you mean. I think it's usually <laughs> poor quality. Yeah, but, you're right. Uh, they are. Uh, but this girl has continued to impress me, and I thought she did well with this scene of where it wasn't melodramatic, it wasn't just giant crying, it wasn't anything over the top like that. Like you said, she's almost visibly biting a quivering lip to try to keep in what she's feeling. And I think that's the right thing to play for the character. By the way, if you like this podcast, if you like listening to me and Spencer Gap, you would like another podcast that we do called Mangum Talks as a general interest podcast. On that, we have another co-host named BJ, who also does a podcast with Spencer on Harry Potter, which is great, called Pottering Around. But on Mangum Talks, BJ asserted to us that the movie I just referenced, Men in Black, was the greatest movie of all time. So if you want to hear somebody actually try to establish that Men in Black is the greatest movie movie of all time... Uh, check that out. That's that's pretty good. I meant to do that plug when I mentioned Men in Black. All right, cut to Tala and Obi-Wan. Here's the thing. Absent Clone Wars, I would not have bought this Obi-Wan-Tala love angle at all. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, Obi-Wan's got that muscle. I mean, like, he what? does have, like, he, he had a long relationship with the Princess of Mandalore. He almost left the Jedi for it. I would not be surprised if he has a little, like, I'm not. I'm not sure they're going to be running off to like closets to bang and stuff. I just think there's going to be a little <laughs> bit more than than you might expect. There might be a kiss at the end or something. Well, That's what I guess. I think we've gotten a little bit of a hint that there may be a certain attraction or affection or even idolization going from Tala's direction towards Kenobi. Have we seen anything going the other way yet? I mean, is he blind? I mean, look at that. What? Th- that's a different question, sir. Unbelievable. I, I, you know, um, that, that, fully that's why I led with the point that I led with, right? Which was, I would not normally believe Obi-Wan would be into this with someone else. I haven't gotten anything from Ewan McGregor's character. I didn't get anything from Ewan McGregor's character in episode one, two, three, or mm-hmm. um, Sir, what's his, Alec Guinness in episode four. But I got it in Clone Wars, so I, I do think there's... The character the has the capability to do it. Exactly. That's what I was trying to say. And, 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 and similar to you, I will not dispute any romance involving a Nira Varma. Not going to fight you on that point. Perfectly yeah. happy to see what comes. Yeah, holy smokes. Uh, they approach a guy named Roken. Roken pushes do, back on do, Obi-Wan. Do we know this guy? Is he in canon in any way before? Not that I know of. I'll, I'll double check while we're talking. Go ahead. Uh, Roken pushes back on basically the entire situation from Jump Street. Says, look. Obi-Wan being here puts this entire apparatus in danger. All the people that we save, all the Force-sensitive children, all the people who had some tie to the Jedi or were Jedi or training in some part of the process to be a Jedi, all those people we're saving, everything is in danger now because this fucking high-profile guy is here. We got to get him out of here. And by the way, Roken makes a very good point. 
a series of good points in this, which makes it, in my mind, all the more unfortunate. Just, and I guess this is just a reflection of just how fast they're having to go through the plot, how quickly he changes his position on this. Oh in like no, no! This is thirty a, this, seconds of dialogue. I can't believe that you have a problem with this. This is the most Spencer shit of all time. Let, let, I'm, I will explain. So uh, Obi Wan uh, pushes about getting Leia. He says, "Look, forget me. I'm just here for Leia." And he, I, I believe that. I, I do. He has been consistent yes. that he does not care about himself right now. He's only after Leia. Tala and Obi Wan seem to be having different conversations with Roken. However, though, Tala is really talking to Roken about what happens if Reva follows us. Like, have you developed a contingency plan, a way to get this all sort of right. shut down? Roken is telling her, ain't gonna happen. Mm -hmm. We built too much shit here. That's not happening. Obi-Wan, however, is saying, I need your help to go get Leia. She's 10 years old, this and that. Obi-Wan does utter a very stupid line to him. He says, you don't know what the Empire is capable of. Stupid <laughs> on multiple levels. One, you've, Dude, been he works here. <laughs> you've been butchering meat on Tatooine for 10 years, best I can tell. Do you know what the Empire is capable of? And mm. two, this guy is leading the resistance against the Empire right now. Yeah. The best we can tell in this moment, in this timeline, he's like involved as deep in the resistance as anything we've seen. Mm -hmm. He, of all people, should know what the Empire is capable of. But he has an even better comeback and says... Well, they did kill my wife, so I'm pretty sure I've got a, a good idea Details. of what they, they're capable of. Obi-Wan didn't even offer an apology there, which kind of pissed me off. I, I wanted him to go, oh, all right, sorry. Yeah, you sorry, did. I, I didn't know. That's on me. Yeah, but he, he didn't say anything. Kind of annoyed me there. Um, so then Roken just finally says, you know what? Not finally. It's been 45 seconds, but yes, go on. He says, you know what? If you need my help, I'll give you my help. Here's the here's why I, I I'm just stunned you have a go problem on with this. go on I want to hear it you do this all the time I'll and say, it pisses Spencer, you off yes no I'll say Spencer I've got an idea and you'll say bad idea don't like it here's the fifteen thousand ways I don't like it and then at the end of it you go yeah sure I'll do it like this is a hundred percent you this guy's just an attorney who has had to go underground and uh, you know he just still has that muscle that's my that's my head I, is Rogan is kind former. Of Former attorney in the old Republic who's now gone underground. I'm also the kind of guy that yells at mirrors because that bastard is looking at me again. So maybe that's reflecting on how I'm judging this character right now. But it still took me out just how quickly he goes from a we absolutely can't do this to damn it, I'm in. Just like, again, it's a 30 minute episode. They are racing through what is meant to be a transition between the main plot points they want to hit. And so it comes across as a bit rushed. I'm, I'm objecting to that rather than him necessarily changing his mind here. See, I don't think he ever changed it. See, that that's the thing. Like, if people listen to watch this scene and they think that Obi-Wan mentioning the Empire, doing bad things, and hearkening the image of his wife is the reason he, quote, flipped or changed his mind, then you're not buying this scene at all. It's, mm -hmm. it's basically nonsense. I don't think he flipped the script. I think he is listing out all the all the trouble that he that they're facing, all the problems knowing he's always he was always going to do it the fact that roken is because there, he's the hero well no the fact that roken is there right now on jabim doing this job shows that he's committed to this thing no, it's his responsibility I mean. to tell them all the risk of what they're proposing but he's he's all he's got two feet in the pool man when they killed his wife roken was fucking in for this thing it so I never thought he changed his mind. I thought he was just saying, oh, fuck, this one's even harder. Well, of course I'm going to do it. But, like, man, look at all these problems. And I, I really bought it. Uh, and maybe I'm projecting based on, like, I don't know, being friends with you. Or, like, just knowing people like this who kind of have that mentality of, like, well, I'm in. 
But just want but you I, to know this is a stupid idea. A person who's built around CYAs. Okay, I have a job. I'm going to do it. Let me list all the ways this can fuck up so you can't blame me. And Number it actually one. endeared me to Roken that this idea that he's like, his first reaction is to say, God, this is stupid. And he's right in all the points he says about why it's stupid. <laughs> yeah. But he's still going to do it for him because that's why, that's why he's there. That's why he's on Jabeem. We get three characters off this planet that are clearly important characters, at least to the, trans the transition plot. This is, again, I would like to spend a little bit more time with these three characters to get a better concept of them. Particularly since we lose a named character this episode that we never really meet. It's no. like... Yeah. Give me another half an episode. Give me a little bit more time with these guys. Because these are, as you said, this is the closest thing we've seen to the Rebel Alliance at this stage of the canon, really. So yes, 100%. I want to see these guys. These are the guys I want to know. Don't just make it that I name you, you're going to do the thing now, and then let them fade out to the back. They're kind of painting themselves into a corner with that with how much space they've got, though. Yeah, and let me, let, let's me let let's touch on that just for the, the sort of casual fan. Like... So if you if you're not really like acutely aware of the Star Wars timeline, like this is after Episode Three, but ten years before Episode Four. Episode Four is the very first Star Wars movie, A New Hope. Help me, Obi Wan Kenobi, you're my only hope. That thing, that movie. It's ten years before that, and so in this part of the timeline, we really haven't seen the Rebel forces the way we see them at the start of Episode Four. And and mm -hmm. probably what happens in this canon is it's somewhere between what we're seeing now in episode four when there starts to be some cross galaxy communication hey we're pissed hey we're pissed too hey let's work together hey let's meet up here for a meeting it's when mon mothma general akbar they all get together and start like working together um to to have these conversations uh right. i think bail organa well, gets involved with that and it starts to become more of an apparatus as opposed to what it is now which is just sort of pockets throughout the galaxy of people sure. who are disgruntled and I mean, what it what seems like an actual underground railroad for jedi yeah i mean if we if we want to date again my all my this is where i run into a problem for all my knowledge is legends i don't know if it's still true but in the legends, the Carillion Treaty was two years before the Battle of Yavin, so we still got like eight years of independent, yeah, about independent, right. about unaffiliated, right. resilient uh, resistance movements before effectively they coalesce under a single flag through those three main leaders: Bail Organa, Mod Mothman, and Garm Bell Ibis. So we got a long time of people basically working independent, independently, barely coordinated before we'll ever get to that kind of much more professional, organized military united military organization that we see in the movies. I think in New Canon they have escalated. They've moved up uh, Admiral Akbar. Um, he's one of the. He's now a big four rather than a big three kind of thing. A, yeah, I think he's he's up in that conversation as far as who actually got together to do the original planning for the original tree. I don't know if they what? called it the same thing, but it's it's the same general idea. Was it, I mean, they've already moved that up to a certain degree in even the movies because. Yeah. Um, uh, Rogue One has the has the Calamari people directly affiliated with the Avon Four base, right and away. that's not the canon was pre, the the Mon Calamari had their own resistance movement, but really didn't join the Rebel Alliance until that kind of gap around the the Battle of Hoth and that period when they were fleeing Yavin. So I think you're right. I think they're very much moving forward. The Calamari being from the get go directly involved with the Rebel Alliance in a way that they weren't previously in the Legends. Well, he's always been a popular character, and I understand escalating elevating him in the it, in the in the formation of the Rebel Alliance. It'd be a shame if they just kind of kill him vaguely off screen during one of the movies. Yeah, they do that. Did you not know that? Uh, cut to yeah, Rogan. I did. Um, he's giving Obi Wan a briefing on Nur. This is my favorite detail about this whole episode. Nur, 
a water moon of Mustafar. We called it last episode. You're right. Vader you is 100% right. Vader is on Mustafar, and he has just stayed there. Like, and I am sure, if, if I'm sure of anything the writers are doing here, I don't know if we'll get the reveal in the comics, a book, or maybe possibly in this series. I am sure that the Emperor told him to stay there. Because what better it? place to train to your live hate. in your hate, to draw on that reservoir of resentment, anger, despair, hatred, than the place that the battle with Obi-Wan happened. Um, no, that he saw, that he that he looked up at the ship and saw Padme and thought in his crazy, twisted brain that Padme and Obi-Wan were having a thing. Like, that's the perfect place for, for Darth Vader to train. So. No, no, you're, you're 100% correct. You deserve a victory lap for this. I, mean, I have to go back and play Fall in order to see whether the Fortress Inquisitorius was on, whether that was also on Nur and that was also in the Mustafar system in that game, because we have seen the Fortress Inquisitorius before, have, or at yeah. least one of them. Um, but absolute kudos to you. You, you called that point because it looks 100% true. Now, while I will admit that this is not, I, I saw this on the internet before we had this talk, but in that video game, doesn't like a stage in with Vader holding the water, like there are, the same way that Obi Wan does. There are straight up. It's no longer. It's not even just parallels. They are straight up recreating scenes from that video game of the underwater break in to the Fortress Inquisitorius to rescue somebody in that exact way. Yes, the, 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 there are more than just homages to that video game in this episode. I think that's pretty cool. They call it Vader's system in the briefing, which tells me that folks in the galaxy know that Vader has established his home base in the Mustafar system, which is pretty fucking cool. They go back and forth about the plan, but Obi-Wan points out that there are no shields. No shields on Nur. They have the Grand Inquisitors there. Presumably Vader visits. We see him visit mm -hmm. later. No shields. Why? The Why, Spencer? Because no one would be stupid enough to attack them. Do you buy this? Do you buy no. this overconfidence? No, Thank this you. really frustrated me. It really did. Yeah. This is stupid as all fuck. And like, they should have just cooked up. Like, here's the thing. They were always going to get Obi-Wan in through Tala anyway. So why yeah. throw this extraneous detail in that there were no shields there? The shields were so, always going to drop to let Tala in anyway. So the T-47, the airspeeders can come in and save the day. That's the reason they wanted. They, they wanted these plucky rebels to come like in a, for the don't attack. Don't you give it a two line from Tala to Obi Wan? Okay, I've dropped the shields in sector. Duh, 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 duh. Like yeah, I, when I, she's at the control panel. I would have loved if they'd done something like that to explain why there's no Tie Fighters, why there's no notice before these air speeders show up, why there's no protection on this most secure base in the entire Empire kind of thing. But they don't, and it's less no one as a would result. be stupid enough to attack it. Is how they wrote out it, of that. It, I mean. That's I like what that's they're doing with this series. They're doing it. They are doing a good job. That is a that's just a weakness in writing. You could have established. They were look in canon. They're going to have fucking shields on this moon. Like that's just dumb. Of course they they're are. Have um, so they should have had Tala drop the shields at a certain point from the control panel. That's what it should have been. Yeah, I'm I'm completely 100 there with you. I'm glad you brought it up. That was an unnecessary forced error. For it. It's Star Wars. You easily can throw in a one-sentence explanation and we'll go, sure, yeah, that makes sense. It's an old code. We're great. But give us that much, please. Yeah. Obi-Wan insists on going in. Says, hey, look, we can use your T-47 speeders. Um, these are, like, so my understanding, I'm not as well-versed in these things as you are, Spencer, but my understanding of these particular speeders are they're the same speeders that were used on Hoth to destroy yep. the AT-ATs. Snow speeders, yep. 
Um, and in essence, they're like really nice single engine, like jet planes that operate mm-hmm. in atmosphere. You can't, you can't take these planet to planet. That's why later on you see them jumping into a bigger ship, which um, I appreciated. <laughs> which I appreciated. They gave us that. That was that. That was the kind of one sentence explanation that we're just now talking about. If when those two snow speeders or T forty seven air speeders showed up, I'm looking at it going, those can't make Atmo. Those can't jump through hyperspace. How the hell were they there? And then they gave me the explanation. Yeah, they did. Yeah. So I mean, they're not they're not striking out completely. They did have no, one no, swing no. on this, but they're not striking out completely. Um, Obi-Wan says he'll go on his own. Tala very quickly says, I'll go with him. Yet again, more Tala Obi-Wan vibes. Mm-hmm. He asks her if her cover is still intact, and she says, we'll find out soon enough. I'm going to tell you this. I like Tala. Uh, Tala makes like this plan happen. She impresses. And, you know, she is committed and brave. We'll see. I, got, I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. I, 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 shot, she, I shot three stormtroopers. We'll see if they noticed. <laughs> is this made of his best post? I don't know. Let's jump in the fire and see. Like, okay, kudos. I like the cut of her jib. Um, They get a ship ready and take off. In the ship on the way there, Tala, dressed in her Imperial garb, sees Ben moving the Force, doing a little practicing, getting some reps in. We we talked about this previously, about whether the Empire's sexism was carrying forward into the new canon. We saw a lot of of female Imperial officers this episode, sir. I'm increasingly debating whether whether they've gotten rid of that aspect of the Empire. Yeah, you know, I don't know. I mean, in the Thrawn books, it certainly makes it seem like women do not move up as fast mm-hmm. as as men. I mean, Thrawn himself is a pretty big sexist. Uh, but I, I don't. Uh, maybe maybe Disney's trying to clear some of that away. But I don't. I don't understand why you would do that, though. I mean, maybe the reason. I mean, obviously they don't need to do it to make us like the Empire. Right? Empire is heel, but. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're doing it just so they can have a little bit more equity in casting. And if that's the case, I'm totally on board. I think it's purely that. Because when I think about the Stormtrooper voices we've been getting this season, it's the most diverse collection we've ever had from Stormtroopers. They're not purpose. They're not using like monochrome, just white male casting to make the Empire look bad or more easy to hate. They're just casting everybody diversely. It seems to be that's just how they're going with it. Yeah. it it's a change from canon, but I, like you, I don't particularly care on that subject. I just wanted to point it out that it... With the number of female offices we're now seeing, it's becoming harder to say that the, the previous can on that point seems true. Right, but in this series, and certainly in Rogue One, we've seen a lot more male officers and female officers. In the, it's true. not close to 50-50. There's just more female than we expected. Uh, yeah, I mean, back back in the original three movies, there were none. So no. anything is more than that. Right. Um, so she sees uh, Obi-Wan trying to use the Force a little bit. He's just moving something around. You know what this is? Hmm. You know He's this practicing. Is? Let me tell you what this is. Um, so Mike Tyson went to prison in the mid nineties. Um, Mm -hmm. he could not box in prison for a number of reasons. One being that as a professional boxer, if he punches somebody in the face with a closed fist, it's a felony. So he can't just go around fucking fighting people. Um, that's why you always hear like when boxers get in fights, like at a bar or whatever, they have an open open hand. They're smacking people. It's not because they're bitch made. It's because they can't punch you because it's a felony. So, and plus, he's Mike Tyson. Everybody in the prison will want to fight him. So he, the only way that he was able to keep ready for the next fights was to just in his jail cell do push ups. And he says he did upwards of seven, eight hundred push ups a day. Which, by the way, a lot of push ups. Mm-hmm. This is this is Mike Tyson doing the push ups, right? This is the. This is the only thing I can do. I, I recognize that I got to get tapped back in here. I probably have another fight that I'm going to have to do. 
uh, if not more than one, and I got to do something. So this is the only this is the push-ups in the jail cell. This is the only thing he can do in that moment to try to get more tapped into the force. And as we covered in the last podcast, Obi Wan's strength in the force is derived from his connectivity to everything around him. How connected right. he feels. His face effectively it doesn't come from anxiety, fear, hostility, aggression. It comes from connectedness. And so he really does need to do. As silly as this might seem, moving something back and forth on the table, that's him being connected to the force around him. It's super important for him if he's going to fight later. It's also important for us as an audience because it's our one sentence, the same way we're talking about. If we're, we just saw him struggle in terms of using the force and using his Jedi abilities. In this episode, we're going to see him very much return to the mantle of a, of a proper Jedi Knight again. It's accelerated, certainly, but they needed to give us something to establish that he is trying to practice and reestablish that connection to explain what they put him through in this episode. Yeah. So, everybody wondering, how the hell did Tyson get so big in isolation in prison? That's why. Time and push-ups. Yep, that's pretty much it. Uh, Tala explains to Obi-Wan, look, dude, you need time to heal. And then she, like, does a thing that I I recognize that she loves the Jedi she certainly loves Obi-Wan for his place, if not for the man in front of her, for his place in what has occurred in the galaxy thus far. Or sure. Or what she knows. I feel like the, but you more you need to heal more than physically. Didn't you feel like that was a little intrusive? Like, I mean, she doesn't really know yeah. him. It's like, we've she known each other know like a, mentally. I, we haven't even known each other a day of me being conscious. Maybe how I was out know, for a couple days there. It's like. Into him? Uh, I guess she's assuming to a certain degree because he looks like a bit of a broken person. But even then, it's just like, uh, maybe let's talk a little bit about that before you just start jumping into my business in that particular way. Just, you know, I appreciate you're here, but back off a second. Yeah, I was, boy, that you just look. I just want the audience to know what I did. Catnip dispenser. The the sort of, hey, that was too close. Not, like, let's not talk too personally. <laughs> like, you know, we've only known each other 10 years. right on that one. <laughs> Yeah, 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 that's right. (laughs) I'm just saying, we've only known each other 15 years and you've picked me out of a ditch before, but it's like, you know, barriers, man, barriers. (laughs) Can we we not? Um, Cut to a scene uh, with Reva and Leia. Uh, Reva's trying to get Leia to tell her the location of the path. We know from the last episode that Leia at least overheard the name Jabim. If she remembered it, it, we don't know. She probably did, though, because she's Leia. Leia being Leia. Riva is still on this sort of Fugue's explanation that like Obi-Wan's dead. So she keeps hammering that, like saying that like because Obi-Wan's dead, no one is coming for her. Leia's not buying it. Leia also stiff upper lip if ever I've seen it. I adore the way they've written this character. I know I'm repeating myself, but like every scene we get, I'm just reminded of Carrie Fisher and how that character acted in four, five and six. You weren't going to break her. There was no, it weren't, ha- it, that, that is off the table that you're going to yeah. get Leia in a chair and say, hey, tell me something that she doesn't want to tell you and she's going to do it. If Darth Vader table. with the force couldn't do it, Reva, you ain't doing shit right now. No, even, I understand she's Tim, but it ain't happening. And and I love that they play it that way, right? Because I, my wife and I were watching this. I'd already seen it once. And I, I said to her, I was like, do you think Leia tells? And, you know, my wife, like, you know, strong female character. She's like, no, no, absolutely not. And I have to admit, when I was first watching this, I was concerned they were going to write it that Leia tells. I thought that would mm-hmm. be a way because they uh, Reva's got to figure out where they are, right? Yeah, because that, that that that's for events in Episode Five and Six that we know are coming. It's required. And probably yes. sets up another battle with Obi Wan and Vader. I was very worried they were going to do it through Leia spilling the beans. Glad they didn't. It was. I also got some implications from this, and you kind of mentioned it that. 
I don't think Rava's done many interrogations by herself before. Because <laughs> she, she kind of sucks at it in one of the obvious ways possible of that if you're lying, don't give unnecessary detail or keep harping on it. Keep it simple and let them fill in the blanks for you. The more you repeat the lie, the more they're going to start questioning it. Which is straight up what Leia does here. Yeah, she's she's over... And, and that was something I was going to ask you. And I, I think from that explanation, I get the answer. Do you think that Rava really thinks Obi-Wan's dead here? Um, I don't I think, think that Rava. she does because of because of just what you said. That was really that was really good. She repeats the lie that Obi-Wan's dead too much. It, it, she tells yeah. her hand. Now, I'm very much convinced that they don't think Obi-Wan is dead. I still don't buy your theory that Vader voluntarily let him go. I think this episode, if anything, puts even more of a kibosh on that. Um, but I think they think Obi-Wan effectively got away and they're now just trying to convince this girl to break on the basis that your only protector is gone and nobody else knows you're here. Very much think she's lying. Oh, no. The, the Inquisitors think that he got away. I think Vader, in the moment, allowed him to go. But, I mean, obviously, even in the last episode, they've been consistent, right? Because Fifth Brother in the last episode was like, oh, he's gone. He got what away. do we do? I was talking, like, internal motivations for Vader, which we'll never I understand. I understand. We don't get enough of that. Um, cut to Tala arriving at the base of Nur. Um, she walks in, tries to get in. Security stops her. The lead security officer. Hmm, what a title. Stops mm-hmm. her. Tells her, uh, not your sector. What the hell are you doing here? She pulls rank fast. And that ought to be another clue for everybody around. When you pull rank that fast, you probably are doing something you're not supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it works and she's let in. Um, but it does establish the stakes right away. I understand this is a fast episode. Some, like you, might say it's rushed. They it do is. establish the stakes for Tala right away. That you know, she is. Woo, she is absolutely in the Viper's like nest. Here. I'm honestly surprised Tala survived this episode. Me too. I kind I of expected her to, yeah. to die, do a self-sacrifice to get them out because I couldn't. With how much she was voluntarily not even going into the lion's den, but walking. Yes, I saw the gesture. They're going to, that they're setting up the romance possibility that way. Probably. But probably, I, I didn't even see it as her walking into the lion's den. I thought she was voluntarily climbing in the lion's mouth and then started playing with its tongue. That's the level of risk she's taking here. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty rough, especially when you know the Inquisitors are there and they don't fucking play. And there's a chance that Vader might be there, and he don't, he certainly don't fucking play. Which we see yeah. later. We get a great Vader scene later. Holy fuck, do we get a great Vader scene? Um. Uh, where are we at here? Cut back to. She makes oh it yeah, to a we get Tala at a control board, and she's yeah. speaking on radio with Ben, who is swimming. Did you recognize the device he was using to swim? I the rebreather from Phantom Menace has returned. From Phantom Menace, yeah. When I, they go in the I love those under, things. I wanted one of those world. when I was a kid. Yeah, where they meet the frog people under Naboo. Uh, really cool. Really cool stuff. Yeah, that's what he's using, the little the little breather thing. I, I, I would have preferred if Tala had like a little private station, because she's talking at open mic, and there's a guy like she could throw, she could, if she reached over, she could touch his shoulder. But Im- Empire I, Troopers respect privacy. Yet again, me probably me projecting, right? That, that probably is some inconsistency in how they shot the scene. Here's what I, in my head canon, that's a guy... That's a jobber. That's a nine to five. And he's like, he's zoned out completely. What he's got a podcast like, in I have my job. Yeah, he's got a podcast. He's listening to our podcast. That's what he's doing. He listens to Magnum Talks. <laughs> he doesn't care. Like, I, I kind of like that. That, like, every once in a while, you don't get someone who is, like, religiously what? obsessed with the Empire. Every once it, it, in a while, you get somebody just doing a job that they don't really like. 
If that's the case, it fully explains a scene later of where she totally kicks a guy's ass like five feet away behind yep. a little visible barrier, and he guy's still sitting there and doesn't turn around. So yeah, yeah he's, he's listening down to on a me podcast. And you argue about Game of Thrones at that point. Oh um, man, if he was if he if he was midway through season seven, I feel bad for him. God help mm, him for that kind of drama. Yeah, no wonder it was loud in his in his earpiece. <laughs> I, I just love the I love the many Phantom Menace callbacks that we're getting in this the series. Rebreather is the, great. the rebreather is a great one. Um, cut to Riva and Leia. Riva is trying to get into her mind but can't. Okay, all right. Got mm-hmm. a question for you here. Mm-hmm. What? All right. Leia is Anakin's daughter and yes. goes on in this canon. In Legends, she goes on to be a Jedi Master. In this canon, she, she goes on to at least be versed enough in the Force to train Rey. So that tells me she, she was at least a Jedi Knight um, or some equivalency in the New World. Trained by Luke. Obviously Force-sensitive. Obviously. How in the high fuck did Reva not pick that up? <laughs> I don't know what to tell you there, man. I mean, I think they're... Again, I think this is an homage specifically to Darth Vader interrogating her back yes. in it episode is. four. And he doesn't comment further on the subject of her possibly being force sensitive then. So maybe there's going off that. But man, does it look Rava look weak that there's a 10 year old in front of her. And A, she can't get into her mind. And B, she doesn't put two and two together as to why she can't. I don't think that she looks weak for not being able to get into Leia's mind with what we know of Leia. But I, I am... St- just don't have any conception of how she doesn't recognize that the inability to get inside of her mind somehow represents. She just—I think we get a throwaway line like "You're strong." You're strong. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Let's let, let's unpack that one. Yeah, I don't know. It's very confusing. <clears throat> Rava says, <clears throat> "Excuse me." <clears throat> Rava says, "The braver you seem, the scareder you are." I learned that as a young age, which is a very good line. Rava then takes Lola and immediately mentions that she used to have a droid when she was young too, but it was taken from her. You want to do it now? Yeah, let's let, let, let's, let's talk about this. Let's do it. Please, I, I want you I want you to start because you summarized it so perfectly on text earlier. <laughs> yeah. So, Reva is a WWE character. Um, Absolutely. I recognize that a lot of people here do not watch wrestling. Uh, but let me try to just explain what I mean by that. A WWE character typically will be presented to the audience and be so fucking over the top that you get it. You They want you to understand the character right. in 10 this seconds. Is a if heel. the character this is, is a, a Russian that hates America, the first thing you're going to see him doing is stomping on the American flag and drinking vodka. Like They want yeah, you to know, know it right away. And every WWE character who is a character for any period of time in in wrestling, will eventually flip from heel to face. Heel means villain, face means hero. They will flip back and forth and forth and back because that's what creates tension and ambiguity and confusion in the audience. And these big tension and dramatic reveals of like, oh man, here's Stone Cold and Vince McMahon. They're standing there. They seem to be friends. And boom, there's a cut, kick to the midsection and a stunner and Vince is on the ground. And bam, we got the dramatic moment. I bring all that up to say that Tala is introduced to us like a wrestling character. She's over the top. She's mm-hmm. you're like, whoa, very, this is like very so extra. <laughs> then it settles into something a little bit more sustainable. And then I think what they're doing is setting up a turn for Riva that we will get in episode five or six, where she we will hearken back to the very first scene in the entire series, which is Little her Padawan. as a Padawan 
we're giving we're getting memories misty-eyed memories of her having a droid as a kid i was just like you leia she says leia we're on the same side i think some of that is tinged in truth and i think what we're going to get in some form or fashion is reva flipping and turning on the empire to help leia obi-wan or some combination of the both what do you think and therefore dying in the process and dying while we don't see she's going to die yeah this seems like very possible. I 100% agree with you on her being a WWE character. Even her costume looks very WWE. It's all over the top, right? It's like, it's a costume. That's a great point because they want you, like, they want one snapshot. When you look at Reva, when you look at Darth Vader fanboy, when you look at Hulk Hogan, when you look at The Rock, they want you to know, bang, that's what the character is. Mm-hmm. They're very much doing that. And the character has, as you said, dialed down a bit, which has made her much more tolerable to me. But when we first met her, it's just like, I am evil, I eat kittens, I cut people apart with lightsabers, grr. And so we got it early. I agree. that This is very much, a, if they want to play it this way, they've given us the connection back to what we first saw in our theory and the possible grounds for a face turn. Very much that could be the case. She's using it also to manipulate Leia, but it doesn't mean that it's not also also true and also as you know, a bit of, a bit of an insight into it. Because as we see later... She's using this moment to attach a tracker to the droid. We know we, we know she does that, and this is right. her means to doing that. But it doesn't mean what she's saying isn't true as well. The best lies often are. And, as you said, I would bet money at this point that that's where they're going with this character. And I'm curious as to your thoughts on it, because you expected Reva to die this episode. I did. You were, expect, yeah. you were expecting her to exit and then a focus on Darth Vader Kenobi. Yes. This seems to be setting up that, again... Reva is going to be one of the two biggest characters of this show through the end. Possibly, certainly. I, I mean, I, I would say that um, I was fifty percent right. I said that Leia would get out, uh, so I, I, I called <laughs> sure. one of them. Um, my my thought on Reva dying this episode is I I wasn't I didn't see the heel face turn coming until I watched this episode. I thought she sure. was just pure evil and if she is pure evil and there is no heel to face turn coming i think they would have killed her in this episode but i think that like because that that is going to happen of course you keep her around because it's a great great dramatic tool to use the next time obi-wan and vader fight each other um but yeah i mean i I, very much this episode has proven that Reva is more central to the story that they are telling in these first in these six episodes than I thought she was. I thought she was a plot device to get, you know, Obi Wan to, to come Ob- out of hiding to get Obi Wan in front of Anakin. I think she's more than that. I think you're right about that. I'll see how that lands because as we talked about, both of us are more invested in Obi Wan Anakin, Obi Wan Vader than we ever yes. are in a hundred percent. Yeah, Reva and her story. And that has nothing so, to do with the actress or even how they write her. They it, nothing is ever going to get as more as interesting in the Star Wars universe as Obi Wan and Anakin together, right? Is there any other relationship more interesting? No. The the, the prequels, the uh, Clone Wars, are all built around their relationship and building right. it up for years of material. Of course, we're going to be more invested in that than in somebody we just met who, as you've said, is being purposely played over the top. Right. That, that's just how that goes. There's no judgment necessarily on that character that we'll be able to more fully assess once we've seen the end of this, how successfully she's worked in or not. Yeah. Cut to Tala telling Obi-Wan how to get around through the halls. So she's from the control board and she's got a, a comm mic directly to Obi-Wan, which we saw her use when he was underwater. And, he, and she's telling him like, hey, 
go here, go there. Um, mm-hmm. Apparently, Kobe uh, Obi Wan's comm mic, uh, very much like a, I would say an Apple Watch, seems water resistant. I'm not going to say it's waterproof. <laughs> you don't want to say waterproof for liability reasons, but it is no, water resistant. No. We're going to say. Um, she's trying to figure out where Leia would be housed. So she doesn't know. She's just looking at this map and she's like, yeah, it looks like, you know, there's some places like underneath that, that seem like maybe that's the right place. She's questioned by another Imperial officer who comes up over her right side. Uh, RIP just right away. I knew that guy did. It wasn't going to last. Um, so she has to go with him for a second. Then it seems like, uh, Obi-Wan's on his own. We get a dramatic scene where a security droid is scanning a door. Obi-Wan's behind, but the security Mm -hmm. droid does not catch that he is there. I'm glad because we get later in the episode a security droid catching Obi-Wan. We mm-hmm. got it in the last episode, a security droid catching Obi-Wan. At some point, the droids can't bat a thousand. So I liked that there was at least one moment where the droid was a little outfoxed. Sure, fine enough. <laughs> sure, fine enough, he says. This is the part of the episode Spencer loved. Uh, Obi-Wan uh, then calls th- to there's Tala. A, there's a lot during this escape scene of where I'm just going to have to go, okay, I'm fine with it. Just go. Just there's a lot of things that kind of. Well, the door was closed. What are you talking about? That that worked. The the droid saw it close, basically. Yeah, but I mean, like these doors, they they do close from time to time. I mean, like, I don't think it's the droid's responsibility to question if the door closes. If you do that, then then the droids are going to be firing false fires all the time. Are you suggesting the droid also has a podcast going on in its receivers right now? It's just doing its job. So no, not no, I just think you can't, you can't have a, a security droid that freaks out when the door closes because it's going to be a lot. You're going to get a lot of false positives. Uh, Obi-Wan then calls to Tala again, but she is not there. Obi-Wan then hides from some stormtroopers walking down the hall. Then Tala calls to Obi-Wan on the comm mic and the stormtroopers hear it. Obi-Wan uses the force. Yes. Woo. Oh, Reference to episode four, making the noise in the distance. Woo! I, I like this. This was a great callback. A fist pumping. A fist pumping. Um, Obi-Wan uses the Force to create a disturbance some feet away, and the stormtroopers take off after it. A complete parallel to episode four. I loved the parallel to episode four, obviously. Nostalgic moment of the episode, potentially. I also just love that they are they are showing. Like, and I, re- I realize it's only six episodes. You'd like it to be 24. I would, too. But they are showing a progression of Obi-Wan getting reestablished it- in the Force. Um. So Obi-Wan then calls to Tala, and she says, I had some company, but it's been taken care of. And we saw uh, where she just basically murks could, this guy. Couldn't they have gone to a different room? She's in the same room where the other guy is sitting, kicking this officer's you, ass. Put it in your head, Cannon. He's listening to podcasts. It's a, okay. Put it in your head, Cannon. Um, cut to Reva and Leia. Reva is reiterating to Leia that the people she is trying to protect are not coming for her. They're not coming for you. Third time, can she gets you your now. line. The only person who can save you now, Leia, is you. That actually, of all the shit that... Re- re- so, I really liked your point earlier that Reva seems to be pretty new at interrogating people. She doesn't seem to be very good at it. And that's kind of in canon, right? Because yeah. we know that she's new to the Inquisitors. We know that she's not really been trained all the way up we in the way that, that someone like Fifth Brother has. So it makes sense that she wouldn't be leading um, these types of things in the past. But I did think this line was really good because she, she sensed in Leia, probably a little kindred spirit, that Leia is right. like an independent little girl and like to say hey you only person who can save you right now is you probably does land with little leia Uh, in terms of talking with kids talking them as an adult and calling them an adult mature is a great way to get them to do whatever the hell you want them to do so from that angle yeah she's working that well 
Absolutely. This is to Uncle Lee, to everybody out there. If there's a little kid, you know, because I don't have kids, right? And so, like, very, but I'm at the age where a lot of my friends are having kids or have had kids. Uncle Lee, is it? So they parade a lot of kids in front of me. I get a lot of this. And most of the time, these interactions have the potential for being awkward. Because most of the time, the kid doesn't want to talk to you, and you try to talk to the kid, and they ignore you, and it's just awkward for everybody. Here is a very quick way to ensure that the interaction will not be awkward with any kid ages, I'm going to say, three to seven. Get on their level, bend down, extend your hand, and go, Hi, my name's Lee. What's your name? And talk to him just like an adult. If you do yep. that... They will buy into the conversation, talk to you, and you will save everybody from awkwardness. There you go. A little life lesson. Yeah. It's a streamlined example for pretty much interacting with everybody. If you don't want the conversation to be awkward, don't make it awkward. Just talk to them. It's a great way to make the conversation go smoother. Yeah. Uh, so Leia finally breaks, we think. Says, I'll mm-hmm. tell you where they are. I just don't want anyone to get hurt. Reva, oh, I, oh, I oh, swear. Lordy, oh, oh. lordy, I promise you. Like, I mean, she just goes right into, like, grandma, right? She is my grandmother talking to me. Oh, yeah. oh, child, I promise you that they will not get hurt. Does Leia buy this? We shall see. Leia says, well, I need to talk to my dad first. Because you, you said we're on the same side, right? You said. Per, and Reva just per, goes, you, you can you can see yeah. the Are you piece of. And she starts calling for the stormtroopers to cover over. And she's Leia. Did, and then as soon as she says that, Leia screams, I'll never tell you. Yeah. And I was like, yes. <laughs> now, did you think Leia would be tortured in this episode? Did you think that Disney would torture a 10-year-old? Because they're setting up for it. Five minutes later, it would have happened. Uh, Did you think they'd they'd cross that line? I think that they would. I think the line is probably a little bit farther than what we saw. I think that, like, the if I had to guess, Disney would have stepped in with like burns, broken bones of a ten year old. They probably would have said, "You can't do that." Now, little electrocution, little little things going to the temple, and her just going "Eh, eh, eh," like on the table, and something going on in her mind that is like. Yeah, torture-esque but we don't really see it physically probably would have been okay but no they're not gonna sit and like burn or break bones or you know flay little house bolton a 10 year old not happening i thought it was at least possible they would do the unseen hurting vibes thing um but it kind of it was one of those things where i was so thinking that they're not going to torture a 10 year old i didn't feel the tension they necessarily wanted me to in the scene just because like they're not going to do that. They're just not going to film that. No, I'll say I'll say this though. Leia, certified official, put a stamp on it. G, there yeah. is no snitching. If you in the Skywalker didn't know clan. before, there is no snitching in the Skywalker clan. Has there ever been a Skywalker who has snitched? Uh, how broadly you want to term de- 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 define Skywalker? Because, well, let's just uh, use the immediate family, right? Let's use um, Anakin, and then. Anakin, Anakin, and then Luke, Leia. Uh, in uh, unvo- no. involuntarily, uh, there's one example that comes to mind, but I wouldn't really call it snitching. Of where Darth Vader reads Luke's mind and knows that he has a sister. Wouldn't exactly call that snitching, no. though. That's more involuntarily surrendering information. And I always suspected that he might have gotten. He some other vibes intel before. There, right? He has been ruling yeah. the galaxy for the past twenty years, so he might have got some intel yeah. on that. Um, 
Cut to Ben, uh, who walks into Obi Wan, who walks into a hallway where dead Jedi are housed. This is the creepiest, weirdest scene of the entire this episode. Is Dexter kind of shit. So, um, in essence, what this is is a hall where they have encased uh, not in carbonite, but something else, so you That's can like see them, the Jedi that they have killed. And it starts with a Jedi that I'm going to say this. I don't know if I remember it correctly. It, I think it's a character we get in Clone Wars. And I think the character, the, the the character, the thing I remember about this character is that his walking stick was a lightsaber, if, if I'm remembering it correctly. Uh, That's the I, first one we see. I double-checked it because I have only seen, I haven't seen Clone Wars anymore. Don't know the name. Cube, but uh, fans online believe that this is Jedi Master Tara Sanube from Clone Yes, Wars. okay, that, that, that name rings a bell. And I believe his walking stick was also... A lightsaber which was a really cool effect it was like the mm-hmm. you know like the pimp stick you know like we have the like the the, the you know those people with like the big purple suits on and they've got and then yep. they pull that they, they pull the switch out from it that's kind of what he did with his lightsaber and then we see obi-wan look through this hall now i expected obi-wan to take a little bit more time here and be more emotionally impacted than he was shout out to obi-wan for being able to deal with this scene he does see a young padawan who even still has the training helmet on and I believe this is, this is my, my guess here, that what we're seeing is one of the friends of Riva who was killed. Mm-hmm. And I think this is going to be even more ammunition for the heel to face turn the face that we turn. get later. Yeah. That not only did they kill Riva's friend that she was training with, they made this little kid a trophy, which is tough. Just to reference something that you like, too, I also love the Jedi Masters with the walking cane thing. They've done that before in Star Wars in various ways. Like, I think Exar Kun's master, um, Vodos Yoke, uh, also used a walking stick as his primary means of fighting. I adore that. It very much is harkening back to the old, like, Kurosawa, little little Asian master kind of style of Jedi Master. And I, I enjoy those kind of references. I thought they were going to go that route with Yoda before in, in, before Episode 2 was released. He still, he still had the walking cane, at least. Um I'm kind of glad they didn't because, like, you know, Yoda is so big that that would have become a little hokey, I think, for him. Because um, it would have been, like, a defining feature of him that his lightsaber is his sky... You know, because, I mean, the first thing out of my mouth with this Jedi Master that we saw was, oh, yeah, remember his... Because his, that's the thing, that's the defining feature. We don't want that to be the defining feature of Yoda. So, I was cool they didn't go that route with him. Cut to Reva with Leia on some sort of torture device. Uh, and she screams at Leia, say something! And Leia just screams back, I'll never tell you that. Ooh, she is dug in. She's got balls. Tough girl. Hell yeah. Uh, Spencer, how does Reva not pick up on the fact... I, I already talked to you about this. Leia not, not pick up on the fact that Leia is Force-sensitive. Because here, in particular, I thought she would notice. Because, I mean, Leia's not only closed her mind up, she's obviously tapping into some sort of inner strength for a 10 year old to be able to deal with this situation i would i would think at some point during this reva would suspect that she was force sensitive but no reva as we've seen before lets her anger get ahead of her she she lets her passions control her and it leads her to not be able to most thoroughly plan out and unpack events that she's seeing in front of her evan we're seeing it here again spencer you are creating details to absolve the writing of potential plot holes. Are you it's turning because, into me? What's happened here? It's because I care about you, man. I'm trying. Look <laughs> at me so consciously nice trying. <laughs> Obi-Wan hears Leia scream and tells Tala she needs a distraction. 
Cut to an army officer arriving and telling Riva it cannot wait. So when he tells Tala I need a, a, a distraction, Tala does have in her bag of tricks an atomic bomb. Yeah. It's clear that this whole like pretending to be like a like a double secret agent thing, she's got that as like a last resort. And this is what she pulls out when Obi-Wan says, I need a distraction. Is so, this... Go ahead. If I was Tala in this moment, I would assume that I wasn't that this was not going to fly and I wasn't going to get out of this. Because I... Or at least be conscious of that risk. Because man alive, is she taking a big chance with this one. Well, I do think that there is part of Reva who... Later on, she says a nonsensical line to Vader. Which she says, Kenobi is the only thing that matters. Which I'm going to destroy later. But mm-hmm. there's a part of her that understands that like finding the path is very important. That she needs the part of what she needs to do in all of this is do that too. And so when the smartest thing that Tala does is give a few details about the path yeah. that Riva didn't know, because then Riva says, "Well, no, we need to interrogate her. We need to keep her alive. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, she might have just cut her down right there." Buys time, if nothing else. Right. Uh, Riva explains that. Um, she was on Mapuzo when the hunt began. I guess this is like in canon what they're going to call the searching out of the Jedi, quote, the hunt. Maybe, or maybe she, I wasn't sure whether she was referencing like a broader thing or just the hunt for Obi-Wan. I don't know. I wish they wouldn't use this phrase because it's used in the Witcher series. It's used in the Wheel of Time <laughs> the series. The wild hunt. I mean, like it, the hunt is used in a lot of fantasy series. Like we don't need to like regurgitate that phrase. Tala tells her uh, they are on Florum. Seems like a bit of a... It, it, there is a Dantooine. moment... Dantooine. They're on Dantooine. <laughs> there is a moment here where it feels like... Oh, shit. Like, maybe Tala isn't with Obi-Wan. Like, maybe she's telling the truth here to... Reva. Maybe, maybe like, this whole... Like, maybe all of this was to just get Obi-Wan in a very... Caught here, yeah. Yeah, in a very precarious position so that she could do the final heel turnover and then get Obi-Wan caught. I had that thought it was fleeting and i'll tell you when it when it left me um as i was referencing i very much interpreted it as the same context of leia lying to um uh tarkin and vader that the rebels are actually on dantooine rather than they're on yavin i I, I saw it in that way but i I agree there's at least enough ambiguity here that you can read it both ways exactly so she's but she does advocate for directing all their resources to taking it out and that was a part where i was like "Eh, uh, okay um maybe she's with them, I don't know. I, it cut, up, when, yeah. the, when the scene cuts, I had like 10% of me wondering if, if Tala was a secret super double agent. Uh, Riva sees through this, says, of course you're lying. Oh, unless, of course, you're lying. Cut to Leia, who is struggling in her seat. Great, great scene here. The lights go off. Lightsaber comes on. This is a bit of horror right here for those four stormtroopers. Kills a stormtrooper. What? Lightsaber goes off. Back up. It kills another stormtrooper. Like two stormtroopers in succession, and he is flinging that lightsaber around in a way he was not last episode. So, oh, yeah. again, the, I believe the people who wrote this clearly understand the canon about how Obi Wan needs to fight. Like they're showing you he's getting more connected in the Force, and as he does that, his fighting style is going to get better. He doesn't need to be like Rocky punching the fucking meat in the meat, the meat box in the freezer. The back. He doesn't need to do that. He needs to meditate. That is what will make him a better fighter. And that's what we're seeing. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and it's honestly kind of brutal because he doesn't like just you do one little slice through these guys. He picks them apart. He cuts each of these guys like three different times in three different ways before he brings them down. While you can hear in the second one too that he is utterly terrified when he dies. It's like, oh shit, bit of a horror scene for these poor stormtroopers here right now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Tala says, uh, or cut to Reva, and she explains, yeah, everything you said makes sense. Except that the old man and a little girl left an Imperial checkpoint on your planet. How in the hell did that happen? Unless they had help. Tala, I will not have my integrity questioned. Reva screams for her to admit she's a spy. And Tala says she is. But she explains that she's a spy for the Empire. Kind of believed this for a minute. But at the end, this is where this is where I this is where I stopped believing it. Is she reiterated? Mm. That Obi-Wan is on Florum. And I said, oh, okay. So when she reiterated uh, that Obi-Wan yeah, yeah. was not, was on Florum, I thought, okay, yep. Now this, yep. Dantooine. That's what, that's what that was. That was the Dantooine moment. Mm-hmm. Um, Talos uh, uh, cuts Obi-Wan and Leia. The security droid does get a read Sees on them. them this time. So the, the podcast ended. It's listening now. Keeping a, keeping a rough, keeping a rough count. Security droids are two for three in this series. Two for three. Good baseball numbers. Absolutely, it'd be uh, he'd be better than Ted Williams. Uh, Reva then commands that Tala be taken to interrogation. I do believe that this is realistic because of the point I raised earlier that Tala has given enough nuggets that she thinks we gotta we gotta pull whatever we can out of her mind before we kill her. Security alarms go off. Reva takes off. Tala kills the troopers who were going to take her to interrogation. Uh, I have no problem I, with this. Stormtroopers you, are shitty fighters. I have oh no problem. come on, dude! None. This one's growing too far. She basically no. slaps one in the face. Yep. They suck. Stormtroopers the, suck. If they're easy to kill. Have you ever played did, a video game? Come on. They suck. Disney's going too far with this. You nope. have to give them some degree of threat. She literally, nope. she open the hand, slaps one in the face, and he stumbles back for like 10 seconds so that she can push the other one, grab his gun, and shoot both. This show does not do combat great, but this was the worst. No, they suck. They're, they're, they're terrible. Stormtroopers are terrible. As a matter of fact, they had a, they had a force-sensitive stormtrooper. Who ended up having immense, immense heroism and skill. Finn, our very own Finn. And mm-hmm. think about how much Finn sucked. And he's the best of the best. He's the he's the diamond in the rough for stormtroopers, and he still sucked. So I'm telling and you, yet, Disney has been consistent about this. You don't like it, but they're consistent the stormtroopers suck. I think it's a dumb decision because it's the same problem they run into with the First Order. For if you make all of your bad guys incompetent, they're not a threat anymore. They're just laughable. That's a dangerous road to walk that I think they should avoid. And honestly, my favorite moments in Force Awakens was that one badass stormtrooper. I loved that. It was something I hadn't seen in Star Wars in years. And then they've abandoned that utterly ever since. Yeah, I know. And if you want any any criticism of the Finn character, all you have to do is listen to the damn actor who played it. My God, he spent like the next 10 years trashing Star Wars. Cut to Obi-Wan who runs a... They did him no favors. They did him no favors with that character. It was really bad. He's a good actor. He can do a lot of things. And they gave him nothing to work with with that character over those three films. It was a little hard for me to take that like the entire Star Wars universe is president. Prejudicial, or prejudicial. That everybody who uh, writes for Star Wars is prejudicial. Like some of his like large, like sweeping criticisms for me landed hollow because they came after. They came after the character was written in a way he didn't like. They didn't come when he was first casted and he was super excited. They came after the Last Jedi when he was no longer happy with how the character was progressing. That to me rings a little hollow. 
No, I, I'm actually there with you. I didn't really listen to much of his precise criticism. I mostly interpreted it as being an actor pissed at the way his role was played out. Yes. Particularly, particularly I mean, episode two was setting him up as being a major character, and then episode three completely had no idea what to do with him in terms of the new films. Uh, so it was clear nine, he wanted to be like a love interest for Ray, a Jedi, yes, the hero. And it's like, sorry, you're a former stormtrooper. That's not what you are. Get over mm-hmm. it. Um, cuts Obi-Wan who runs across a lot of stormtroopers and he breaks out his lightsaber and starts handling them. Now, I will say this. He is much better, more fluid. He is. He's doing the thing with the, with the mm-hmm. lightsaber. He's he's b- blocking bolts. He's dodging. He's kill. He kills a lot of stormtroopers in this period. Um it's just continuing to show his progression. He's more connected to the force now. He's ready to go. And uh, this looks this this is this is eighty five percent of the Obi Wan I was seeing in probably episode it, two. This is a Jedi Knight return to the screen in a way we've yet to see in the series. He yeah. is very much coming back into his own. He is as as we referenced before. He has found his grace once again, and it can only go up from here. But one of the stray bullets uh, flicks into the hallway window and the window pane. You would think. Spencer, you would think that these would be resistant to bla- blaster bolts. They'd be shatterproof, et cetera, et cetera, that they would be made. You know, they would be the, remember the West Wing episode? The mm-hmm. the $400 ashtray? Remember oh, the $400 yeah, ashtray? Yeah. It, it's a $400 ashtray because when there's a, there's a, it breaks, it breaks evenly into three parts and it's been well designed and engineered, et cetera, et cetera. You would think those window panes would be the exact same thing annoys me that they're not but whatever i guess they were just going to draw a parallel to a video game i've never played i'm 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 picturing a conversation here from bioshock which if you know listeners haven't played that video game before it's a great video game series where it just involves an underwater city so kind of on point i'm picturing a conversation of where the engineer says okay if you're building an underwater city it's got to be built like a bathtub no windows no structural weaknesses it's got to be utterly secure because all the pressure of water around it and meanwhile, some artist guy is saying, no, no, we must have thin, gorgeous windows so we can see out when we go through this walkway. And this is the moment where the engineer is going to get the bill for the broken window from the blaster bolt and is going to be shaking his head saying, I told him. Don't know how many I times I could have told him, but I told him. <laughs> yeah, it's a good point. I mean, it's just, you're looking at that like, I'm not sure they designed it that way, but hey, whatever. Um, the, the window starts to buckle Obviously, you know, it has a weak point and there's all that pressure from the water. Leia points it out to Obi-Wan. A little shocked that Obi-Wan didn't see it before Leia pointed it out. Obi-Wan then uses the force to stop the window pane from breaking and the water to hold. This requires a lot of power. Like, this is not a small act he's doing. It's a awful lot of pressure and power coming from into that window. I think we're starting to see that. Like, can we say it? Is he back? Is Obi-Wan I, back? Can we now say he's back? Episode 4. Obi-Wan is back. I, I have my complaints about how fast it has occurred, but they are telling us right now that... He's back. Obi-Wan is back. There may, may be farther still to go, but Obi-Wan is in Jedi form once again. When I come back like Jordan, wearing the 4-5. That's what he did. Obi-Wan, back. <laughs> back, everybody. It, it, um, is, this, so, is, this, is this Wizards Jordan or Bulls Jordan that we're seeing right now? This is this is Bulls Jordan, hopefully. hopefully okay. Because that's the 4-5. That's three more championships for Obi-Wan coming. Obi-Wan then asks Tala to take Leia away. Smart move. While he holds the water, clearly a strain on him, but he is able to do it. And as he does, more stormtroopers eventually break through the, the closed door that's on the other side of where Obi-Wan is standing. a purge trooper, for Pete's sake. There's a lot of guys coming. Yeah, they start to come. And Obi-Wan is able to... I guess what he does is he moves the fo- like the the 
not force like like force that they use for Jedi stuff. I'm talking yeah. about the force of the water. He redirects it down the hallway, therefore breaking the other uh, windows down the hallway first. Mm-hmm. The ones on his side of the hallway are going to break eventually, but they break first. So all that water flows into the hallway. Everyone takes off, runs through the door, boom, just makes it. Nice dramatic scene, and bam, it's all mm-hmm. shut off, closed, and they are good. And, and and completely dry, too. I'll point out there, too. Obi- I was surprised how dry Obi-Wan got, but, you know, maybe Miracle, Star Wars, Fibers, whatever. I also... One thing I really expected him to do when he got me broke into the space, I thought that he was going to put on a Stormtrooper outfit to do that kind of switch of where now he's playing the Luke in the scenario compared to how he went through the Death Star in Episode Four. But instead he does it through, does it through in all Jedi robes. Kind of missed that. I would almost would prefer it if he put on a uh, Stormtrooper armor for his infiltration. Cut to Fifth Brother. He's commanding that the base be shut down. I would say that's a good call. And yeah. says that Third Sister will suffer for this, as this was her doing. Cut to Tala and Obi-Wan walking out. Leia is walking in Obi-Wan's coat. I will say that Obi-Wan looks preposterous here. This, this is little rascal's level of dumb right here. It They're looks stupid. But, you know, I mean, they they have fifth brother. That's why I thought the timing was so important. Because when you got fifth brother shutting down the base first, already that out. puts everybody on high alert and distracts them. So that this walk makes a little bit more sense, but he doesn't. They don't. They don't even have time to get all the way because Reva comes out of the back. Is that Reva's music, ladies and gentlemen? Very she comes much. out of the back. Da Little stone cold situation and yells, "You traitor!" She tries to guilt trip Tala, but Tala says, "This is never who I was. Fuck you. You're not gonna guilt trip me. I like. I like Tala stays stone cold on her. I mean, she's like, nah, uh, uh-uh. you're not gonna make me feel bad for this." And Reva says, then you die for nothing. Terrible line. And then right on cue comes the T-47s. They shoot out most of the stormtroopers and Tala takes care of the rest. Again, most secure base in the Empire. Not a TIE fighter in the sky. Not a turbo laser firing down. Not even sensors to tell they're coming. No one would dare attack it, Spencer. I don't know if you caught that line earlier. I I remember, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, perfectly explains it. then the shootout with the stormtroopers happens. Tala takes care of some of them. She's got a blaster. Obi-Wan does not draw his lightsaber in this, which I think he should have done. Uh, Reva's basically the only one left, and she boogies, and she goes. Now, this is the part where I thought Obi-Wan was going to say, take her, put her in the T-47. I'm going to kill this bitch mm-hmm. right here. And I was wanting him you, to do you, so. You were there for it. I have predicted. Now, I'm starting to shift that prediction, but my in- initial prediction was... Obi-Wan would kill her the first time they cross swords because Reva is no match for him. I do mm-hmm. believe if they'd have fought here, he would have killed her. That does not happen because another T-47 comes in and hovers. Helicopter and shoots, hovers. Hovers and, and shoots blasters right at Reva. Now, I will say this about Reva. If a T-47 is just staring you right in the face and shooting blasters right at you, it's going to preoccupy pretty much anybody except for like Yoda level. Like, I mean, I was not, I, it did not break any sort of realism for me that she was distracted by this. Focused on that, yeah. I, um, I do now, love, though, in response I'm going to turn it over scene. to you to talk a little bit about your concerns now, with the hovering T47. I want to talk about this in the form of us, but that was probably the nerdiest conversation that you and I have had in like a long time of where you and I on text after this episode 
We're debating back and forth whether a repulsor lift aircraft in Star Wars universe can hover or not. Based on our mutual yes. understanding of varying Star Wars encyclopedias that we own, breaking down can a T what are the parameters of a T sixteen? How many uh, starfighter squadrons does a Mon Calamari cruiser hold? We were in it to debate this, and and my point was you, that yeah. very simple transports, ground transports, have the ability to hover. We see it all the time. The technology cannot be that difficult to put into a T four seven. Therefore, it would make sense to put it in. Your point was. Just because the technology exists doesn't mean they put it into this particular speeder. Yeah, that was your debate. We we haven't we've seen before that that kind of hover, at least for liftoff, is common. We've seen it in X wings. We've seen it in a lot of Republic starfighters. We've seen it in uh, snow speeders too, in terms of how they take off. So we know the technology exists and they use it. But I always saw it more like a Harrier jet rather than a helicopter in terms of how they used it. So I, we were pushing back and forth in this world. Like, yeah, they have the technology, but. It's for an airspeeder, you wouldn't include that kind of in there because it would distract from the other things you would want an airspeeder to do. I don't think we ever Maybe for a loading. conclusion on this. Well, because like if if the, it might be for loading, like you would want it to be able to hover so that people can jump on and off. You can you can put so you can tap like you it can stop in place and you can you know hitch something to it. It might make sense. I mean, they did say they were used for sanitation before, and that might make sense in the what? workflow for that particular. Aircraft. I also would say that, and this is something I pointed out on text that you you just disregarded, but it it would seem like it, almost like driving a boat, right? Couldn't he have just thrown it in reverse, caused that to stop, thrown it forward, back to reverse, forward, back, like back and forth to create the hovering effect, which is what you do in a boat when you want the boat to stop on a dime. That's probably what that could have happened. One of the things that throws this discussion out the window, and this is something they always use to explain inconsistencies or different portrayals in Star Wars, they could be specialty modified craft that just look like the T-47 snowspeeders we saw before. Because That's the point. ones we saw in Hoth could not do this. I'll just straight up say that. Based on just how we saw them fight and fly. If they could helicopter hover, it would have been a lot easier for Wedge to get that harpoon around the uh, the, the, the walkers that we see, the AT-ATs. So I'm willing to say that those could not do this. Whether these can... Well, they fly into like a into a little transport to then take off. We haven't seen that T forty sevens could do that before, so it's perfectly possible they are custom tailored. I will say, I thought it looked dumb. I will say that much, regardless about whether um, it is technologically in, in keeping with what we've seen in Star Wars. It just stopping on a dime and just looking down at Riva. It looked like that was a bit of a technological limitation there, of where they've got a thing on a boom and they can, they can only move it so much. I thought it was pretty cool. It kind of reminded me of when um, Ben Solo took the the Tie Fighter straight at Ray. Also, when the franchise owner of my favorite chicken joint, New Mexico, took his Tie Fighter straight at Mando. So there's yeah. been like multiple times of somebody taking a Starfighter right at a person or a Speeder right at a person. I thought it was a pretty cool. Thing. I don't know. I liked it, well, but well, I didn't. With, I did not have the thought about it hovering. You do make a good point that obviously the ones on Hoth could not. I will grant you. I will cede you that point. I still think he could have been throttling it back and forth between reverse and go it's, to, it's to possible. create that we, effect. We, it's Star Wars technology. It is always going to be on the light end of sci-fi hardness, and so they can do a lot of things with it. And you know, they're repulsor lift aircraft. They're not just flying forward. They are using a certain degree of anti-gravity field we know that so how we could use it in this moment sure it's a new use but maybe it's possible they take off uh fifth brother yells at reva to kill them she grabs something which probably is just like an explosive ammo. fish 
yeah, just some ammo that's probably being loaded onto something and just flings it using the force up at the speeder that was preoccupying her. This is uh, the person's name is Wade. Yep. R.I.P. Wade. Hi, Wade. Bye, Wade. Set moment of silence for Wade. Okay. And going C- on. Cut to a baller scene. Baller scene. With oh, Vader, Vader storming in. We've scary never seen him walk this fast. AF. It's scary as hell. Holy shit. This is scary. Storms in and pulls Reva up. And the way he holds her in the air is fucking terrifying. Um, choking her out. He says he will not tolerate her weakness anymore. We see. We, we're getting first. I mean, he likes Reva as much as he likes anybody, it seems. Mm. And he will turn on a fucking dime on you. Like, I mean... He does not have, there is no loyalty with Vader and the people that work for him. If you fuck up one goddamn time, he is going to murk you. And that is what he's doing here. I I honestly found that he even spares her after he gives her, after she gives him the excuse, kind of inconsistent. Because I was like, no, she's royally fucked up now in a way that Vader has killed people just easily before. Yeah, that's why I think he likes her. That he's willing to overlook this to spare her life? Because, man, this senior Well, it might have explained... It might have explained the how incensed he was that he felt a little betrayed by someone he okay. thought was doing a good job. Let his guard down with her already. And it would it would explain why he's a little bit more willing to accept this excuse than he would say from someone like Fifth Brother. He, he probably would have just killed. Uh, Fifth Brother mentions, well, look, hey, yeah, she puts a tracker on something, but like she the almost base? destroyed the base. And she says, Kenobi is all that matters. This is an absolutely nonsensical phrase because she just said, I let Kenobi go because I put a tracker on him because we have got to find the path and all of the other shit. So obviously Kenobi is not all that matters. Vader bought what she was saying before that Kenobi is not all that matters, that we need to find the the Jedi sympathizers and therefore the tracker was a good idea. Mm -hmm. Kenobi is all that matters is a stupid sentence. I'm just going to throw that out there. Yeah, I mean, I, I know they're going for an homage to episode four here with the, you know, we let them go. There's the tracker on the craft, but it made so much more sense there of when yeah. they, their actual goal was to find the rebel base. Here, Vader's goal is Kenobi. Your yes. goal is Kenobi. This ex- She should c- consider herself so lucky that you aren't fifth brother because you would have pointed this out in that moment if you'd been standing there. Yeah. So you just said, you just said <laughs> that Kenobi's not it's all like, that matters. Like a heartbeat ago. What is wrong with you? Uh, Vader verifies that the tracker is with them. Is it, are you sure the Vader's? Are you sure the tracker's with them? She says yes. Um, Spencer, did you did you immediately know where the tracker was? I assumed that. Yeah, it's yeah like me too. Tracker on the droid. I'm with you. Yeah. I know where this is going. It's the only thing she touched. I mean, I didn't even really see her touch Leia. Um, uh, if it had been on Leia, I would have been pissed just because that would have made Leia seem incompetent. Yeah, that wouldn't make sense. Yeah, uh, Reva says where he goes, so I'm at Kenobi. It will follow. Pretty good deduction because obviously Leia follows and Leia brings her droid. Cut to the speeder arriving at the larger ship. This is the one sentence explanation that Spencer really liked about the fact that these speeders cannot go between planets. And I completely liked it too. I agree with you. I, and I had that thought. I saw it and I go, whoo, yeah, thank you for the consistency. Mm-hmm. They walk up and tell Roken that Wade died. Tala, guess uh, your soldiers uh, now after all. Potential line of the episode. Go ahead, Spencer. Again, I, I wish we'd had more time with this character so I cared as much as the characters obviously do. It's like, they're framing yeah. the death of Wade up as this big dramatic moment. I'm like, I got to see him physically once, and I got to then see him on, hear him twice on the air, and that's it. Please, I think give the me writers were hoping, hoping that that conversation earlier where they said, "We are not fighters. We are not pot. We, we don't do this." 
would create some sympathy in you that like the fact that someone died doing this type of thing is not normal for them. I mean, they literally are not fighter pilots. This is not Wedge Antilles we're dealing with here. Give, give me half an episode with this character. Give me a few other extra scenes flashing. With me. I cared about Wedge and I got to see him for like three minutes in episode four because they gave me three minutes. You got to give me more than 30 seconds, please. The other pilot is massively grief stricken. Leia sits down uh, next to Ben, holds his hand, looks up at him and smiles. Great, great s- sequence there between these two characters. There's, I, I have a theory that Ewan McGregor really spent time with this young actress, like on set. Mm-hmm. And just became friends with her because this is a a tender, like real smile from this 10-year-old that I think you could not have gotten if she didn't really like Ewan McGregor. That's just my headcanon. That's just a guess on what happened here because it's such a real affectionate smile. It doesn't seem acted to me. It, um, I, I'm completely there with you, but I'm also of the mindset that if I was just with Ewan McGregor in, the, in a room together, I'd probably be smiling at him the same way. So, you know, I'm biased in that regard. Oh, you're you're doing the thing a lot of these people are doing, saying that there was some sort of romantic overtone. It's a 10-year-old. Give me a break. No. Um, God, no, I'm not saying that. That Some people online, I think, were saying that. I mean, I don't think that they were going for that. I think they were going no, for grandfatherly. No, no. Father, like, I don't. Yeah, it's grandfatherly. Um uh, great ending scene between these two. I will note that Tala goes up to the other pilot and uh, gives her a what seems to be a bottle of liquor that she just starts chugging. So, you know, we've gotten a meth comparison. We've got somebody chugging liquor. I mean, I, rec- I, I recognize they want to sell toys, but Disney does go a little darker with Star Wars than they do a lot of their other shit is what I'm saying. I'll give you that. I I, 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 I need to keep eating crows to drug use in the Star Wars universe. They've doubled down on it in this show. Then we get a close-up of Lola, just so we all know exactly where the tracker is. End of recap. Uh, our poor little batteries not included extra now has a, a tracker on it. I hope to, hope for the best for Lola. They've Notably, already Lola. the toy's already out there, by the way. The Lola toy already. Does out it there. also does it also flash red when you press a special button or something? No idea. Uh, I will note that we also didn't see Lola in the mainline films. R.I.P. Lola in episode five oh. and six. Yeah, absolutely. Lola's gone. Yeah. I mean, Kenobi will probably destroy it. I mean, you know, he's looking for a reason to kill droids anyway. That's why she writes off Kenobi and never thinks about him again. Thinks she's never met him. He destroyed her droid right in front of her. I I really think it's going to be a fake death. And she she is going, in Leia's mind, Ben is the old dead person. Has nothing to do with this Obi-Wan character I've never seen before. Now, how she doesn't, like, look at Obi-Wan and, like, see her. I don't don't know that. But, you know, probably because they're different (laughs) actors. Um, okay, let's go to best line of the episode. What is the best line of the episode? I'm going to start with I am a princess of Alderaan. Why, now, that, that might seem basic, but Leia does not play that card often. She doesn't even like people to call her princess. So the fact she's really going deep in her toolbox when she starts pulling rank and calling herself a princess because she hates calling herself a princess. Absolutely. Um I'm going to go with, I, I agree with you, this line was a little bit intrusive, but I think it's very important for what they're going through, going for in the show. Uh, your body is not the only thing that needs to heal, Ben. The past is a hard thing to forget, and you need time, that's all. Some things can't, and then some things can't be forgotten. I, I agree that it's a kind of a, you barely know me, why are you psychologically analyzing me right now? But it's a big theme the show's been going with, and I think it's an important line in that regard. Another Leia one, he will come for me. Uh, practically in response to that, you're strong. But the braver you seem, the more afraid you are. And then continuing, I learned that at a very young age as well. 
I had a droid when I was younger, too, but it was taken from me, like everything else. That's two important lines kind of smushed together in terms of accurate kind of read about, 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 about Leia's situation right now. And also, from Reva, again, this is the, face, the possible face turn if they want to go in that direction. Uh, another one from Reva. The only person who can save you now, Leia, is you. Is you. As you, as you said, I think that was her most, effect, most effective moment, and it's the one they want to even tease us with, that it could, could have potentially been effective in terms of her interrogation. That's really all I got in terms of lines. It wasn't a very line-heavy episode for me. I got Tala. I guess you're soldiers now, after all. Mm. Um, so, best line of the episode, episode four, Obi-Wan Kenobi is, the braver you seem, the more scared you are. From Reva. Reva gets a best line of the episode. I felt like that was the best it. written line. Um, also, you know, I always like to pick a line that uh, has some truth in our real world, too. And that usually mm-hmm. is true. And they also, this parallels to a point that Leia made to Ben. Uh, last episode where she said, you know, you think the more that you hide, the less you give away, but it's actually the opposite. Something like that. I'm paraphrasing. This is sort of similar. And like this idea of like, the more you act a certain thing, the more you betray that you're not that thing. The more brave you act, the more scared you really are. Right. Like, so it's Mm -hmm. continuing in that, like we're all putting on false fronts. And I like that they're exploring that with the character Obi-Wan and Leia. And now through Riva's commentary, everybody's favorite character. All right, you ready for nostalgic moment of the episode? Absolutely. I've got some options for you. Uh, Fire this, away. Because, given that this was a prison break, and given that it's Woo. making all these kind of references to the other movies and television shows and video games, there's some nostalgia to be found in here. It's intentional. It's how the episode is yep. structured. The mere Both fact so. that it's in prison break is just, it rhymes in terms of just how much it compares to the other aspects of the Star Wars universe. And, everything else they've done previously it's getting a little hackneyed at this point but it's star wars it's what it does yeah uh in terms of the little things i love the rebreathers i always wanted one of those as a kid they looked awesome i think they kind of vaguely do actually exist i mean we saw them before even in james bond there have always been something people have talked about um the t-47s i loved the snow speeders from new hope they were one of my favorite little toys as a kid was driving yeah. around flying around with one of the little snow, snow speeders they're great pretending to, to wrap the legs around the at Oh, absolutely, yeah. Or around my sister's moment is the moments presented. Sure. Uh, Obi Wan in general being a Jedi again is just absolutely great. But there's one moment in the, of that in particular I'll say is my nostalgic moment of the episode. But before that, seeing the Fortress Inquisitoris was great. I liked Fallen Order. It's melodramatic as all shit, but it's still a very fun game. And that fortress and breaking into it underwater is a key aspect of the last levels of that game. So that was fun to see and see the many comparisons there. Um, I like, I always talk about the droids in the episode. Seekers we haven't really seen before, but did you see the little mouse droid that was on fire at one point during T-47s again? Yep, yep, we killed a mouse droid. Almost shed a tear. I was like, are you telling me these are heroes and they're they're killing mouse droids? I was like, what the hell are you doing right now? Yep. Nostalgic moment of the episode, though, you already referenced it. Obi-Wan using the Force to make a noise down a quarter. I almost cheered in my seat when that happened. Because it told me, through action, all I needed to see of where, this is Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan is back. This is Obi-Wan doing the things I've seen in the movies previously. He has returned the mantle of a Jedi Knight. It was a great moment in terms of presenting that. That was quality filmmaking and writing to do it that way. And it was also just a wonderful moment of nostalgia from what it was previously. So, that's my pick. I hope you appreciate it. My nostalgic moment of the podcast episode is Spencer having nostalgic moment of the episode be something about a video game? I'd like to say that. Um, 
But as far as the episode, I think that Obi-Wan coming true to form is my nostalgic moment of the episode. I would have picked a different... I like the scene you picked. It, I, this is not at all saying anything negative about the scene you picked. I just would have picked when he was actually fighting the stormtroopers in, in the hallway. Because in for the, the first yeah. time, he looked like he was really adept with the lightsaber. And I was banking a lot of my Star Wars reputational capital on this podcast that they were building toward that. And they weren't just bad at blocking those scenes. And so the fact that we saw him get better with the lightsaber kind of sh- kind of bore out what I was really, really hoping is that they didn't just suck in doing that. It was purposeful in the first couple episodes. I think it was. I think we will continue to see that growth. I hope so. Um, but yeah, definitely. Obi-Wan coming back true to form. I like the I like the move down the hallway. That's really good. But, you know, as far as showing actual power when he's taking on you know blaster bolts Six from both sides really well and and handling it that shows that he's he's kind of back locked in so that's my nostalgic moment of the episode okay spencer you obviously hated this uh the prequel movies does this episode is it on par with the quality that you believe just you believe this is a completely selfish segment you believe the sequel movie or the prequel movies were I will say it is. I thought this was, though I had a lot of niggling complaints, I thought it was a tried and true kind of episode. I thought it told a very traditional story for the Star Wars universe, and I thought it presented it how it needed it to. Is it relevant to the overarching plot? God, no. It's just explaining how episode three and episode five are going to connect to each other, basically. But I thought it hit the beats that it wanted, and it felt very Star Warsy, even if there were some inconsistencies in it. So, yeah, I will give it a, a, at the level of the prequels kind of nod. Okay, I think it was certainly on on par with the quality of the prequels because there were stretches of the prequel movies that were action based that if you just snatched that that sec like hard 30 minutes from one of those films, you would get something like this is part of a longer narrative. It's hard to just look at this episode only because they they had to get Leia out of that situation. It's not viewed in just in in isolation. So uh, it certainly is on par with the quality of the prequel movies. But if you're just looking at it in isolation, I would tell you not to do that, to look at it as a action sequence throughout a larger story being told. And there was plenty of those in the prequel movies. Do you believe? And here's a bet for the next episode. I'm curious your thoughts. I'd like to do that. Um, Theory time. They're setting up that there's going to be an attack on the sanctuary world. Oh, sure. is this ex- effectively going to try to explain why we've never heard of the Sanctuary World in the canon? Because we're going to get to see it eradicated in the next episode? I don't know. They don't have the Death Star, right? So if they did eradicate... Not, not, not literally it, blow it, it up, but... Well, no, but I mean, they could do what we saw them do to Mandalore. They could go I'm in sure. and just literally carpet bomb everything if they didn't want to like send investigators in and try to figure out where this was. And I'm not, I don't think the Empire is above that. So that God, could no. potentially happen. I think that... The first, the first thing we see, right, from this character, um, God, what is his name? Roken. First thing we hear and see from him is is this concern of, man, I think this is all going to go to shit because this guy's here. I think he's foretelling exactly what's going to occur. So yeah, I do think that they're going to destroy at minimum the base, potentially a lot of a lot of the planet uh, that that this this thing is on now. My understanding through this story is that the path is more than just this base, that that it's all over the galaxy. So there's mm-hmm. probably more people helping Jedi out there, but this particular base, yeah, it'll get destroyed. It'll yeah, get destroyed I mean, it, for sure. And in some ways it reminds me a little bit of um, 
Sorry, I'm blanking on the name of episode eight. What's the name of that one again? Revenge of the Sith? Or no, no, uh, Rise of Skywalker. No, the one before that. Uh, Last Jedi? Thank you. Blocking out of my mind. Um, It's going to remind me a little bit of a certain aspect of that, of where something that the main character does directly sets up people around them getting hurt. Of where the fact they did this mission is now going to lead to this hub, this key part of the path and Jedi Sanctuary being wiped out as a result of what Obi-Wan effectively convinced the leadership to do. I'll be curious to see whether they play that off better than I thought Last Jedi did, or I thought Last Jedi just kind of just sweeped it under the rug that our main heroes basically got the entire, you know, good guys killed. I'll be curious to see what more they go into with Not the entire in the next good episode. Uh, other than like 10 guys in a room, yes. No, there was a lot more. Remember remember when the call to arms in Rise of Skywalker and they all came? There was pockets Even of you hated Rise, Sky- Rise of Skywalker, sir. Even you. At least that I've, scene of it. I've changed on that one. I, I started to really like it because of the return of the emperor i thought that was done extremely well you, you, you always um, like that you always that's true i like that part of it so that that does shine but there was some obviously some sequencing and writing stuff in that movie that wasn't great uh yeah so back on to the subject of the the series i think there's a 0.0 percent chance reva survives this thing uh so i think maybe we can talk about it and i think you agree so how, how do you if you had to put your hard-earned money and we all know how cheap you are you had to put your money on this. How does Reva die? Uh, doing a face turn, saving the guys. I, I think they've set and that Vader up. And Vader kills her? It, and Vader kills her. I think okay. they... I don't think they want to make this character a villain by the end of the series. I think they want him, I think they have given us enough to set up her doing a face turn. And I think that's the route they want to go with this character. Because they clearly... The writers of the show clearly like this character. They want to make her a major character of the show. And I, since she doesn't isn't going to show up again, I don't think that she's going to show up again in season two. I don't think that they would be content with her just dying a villain. I think they would find. I think they want us to see a route for her to do some degree of redemption. Yeah, I don't know. You asked me after the after between episode three and four about Reva turning, and I remember telling you I thought it would make more sense for Vader to turn because we would have more more background for Vader to turn than, than, mm-hmm. than her. Now they've given us a little bit of ammunition for the Reva face turn. In my opinion, I think, I also think she's going to die that way. I think she's going to do one sort of last dramatic thing to help Obi-Wan or Leia, probably Leia. Cause she sees herself in Leia. Um, and Vader will kill her. We saw how easily Vader can kill her. I mean, they, they've established that. So he could, he can snap her out pretty quick. And I think that'll occur probably in the next episode. I still think I'm still on board with the idea that the last episode is a lot of Obi-Wan character development, probably on Dagobah. You're going to love that. And not necessarily the cleaning up of this Leia escape Reva after him storyline. I feel like that's going to get done in episode five. That's just my guess though. I agree. I think that's probably how they're going to set it up. I think most people were here for Obi-Wan, Anakin, Obi-Wan, Vader in terms of what they were invested in the oh, show yeah. for. So oh. building episode six around that seems to be a, what the kind of fan service that people are after here. Uh, house, here's another bet. Odds about Fifth Brother and Reva fighting and that being her one big duel in the series. I think they've been setting up the tension between the two of them from episode freaking one. And I don't think get, they can do it. Really play out. I don't think they can do it because they showed how how adept at the force fifth brother was when he yanked her ass onto the table. They can't now have her just, he can, she's not going to die because she fought fifth brother. That's stupid. So she can't, but she also can't kill him because we've seen how powerful he is. So I, I hope they steer away from that. It's just, a, it's too, they write themselves in a corner on that one. 
I think they've written themselves in a few corners with the show, and I'll be curious to see how they get themselves out of it, because they've got a lot of different things to resolve in a way that'll be satisfying to everyone. They will not be able to accomplish that, because Star Wars no. fan bases look in the nitpick. If you the, are here on mindset. this podcast for Spencer to get on on episode five and six and say, loved it, stuck the landing, couldn't have, couldn't have imagined happened. it better, it's it happened. Gonna happen. It can happen. Will not. I'm still singing the merits of the end of season two of Mandalorian. I, I, you know, it could happen. Yeah, well, you did like that. That's true. Okay, thank you for joining me here for our recap here on Mangum Talk Star Wars of the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. Part four, I think is what it was called. Part four, we will be back with you a week from today. So that is one week from today with our review of episode five. I cannot wait, Spencer. I feel like episode five's moving day. You know, in golf, uh, Saturday's always moving day in golf. Right, the day before the last day. I feel like in this series, the day before the last one's going to be moving day. I think a lot's going to happen. Super pumped to watch it. Can't wait to review it with you. Any parting thoughts before we conclude? I can't be sure I will like the episode, but I can be sure I'll enjoy talking about it with you. Looking forward to it, Absolutely. Thank you, my friend. I will talk to you next week. And thanks, everybody, for listening. If you're enjoying this podcast, please rate, review, subscribe. All that stuff really matters, really helps us, and gives us some positive feedback in what we're doing here. Makes us know that when we take the time to sit down, to write to notes, to talk this out, to put it out into the ether that somebody likes it, somebody cares. So all of that feedback really does uh, make our day. So the more you can do that, uh, the more we will appreciate it. We will be back with you next week. Thank you very much.